Aloha and welcome to another episode of the Sandwich Islands Network podcast, where we give you a taste of contemporary Hawaii in music and programming. We are local transplants living in Southern California who have moved from our island home and have brought with us the local flavor and vibe of the islands. Kaden, you ready? Here we go with another episode of the Samridge Islands Network Podcast. This is the Sandwich Islands Network. V93FM is the Sandwich Islands Network.com. V93FM.com. Aloha. Mauna Kea Now is sponsored by Hawaii, A Voice for Sovereignty, a documentary film by photojournalist Catherine Bachnight that explores the culture of the native Hawaiians and their connection to the land. At the forefront of the film are social, economical, and ecological issues that have developed in Hawaii since the takeover by the U.S. in 1893, revealed in interviews with grassroots indigenous people and scholars such as author Haunani K. Trask. The documentary's goal is to raise awareness of the issues faced by the Native Hawaiians, which threatens their ancient and environmentally sustainable culture. Bach Knight brings this film to the world stage by theatrical release, screenings at international film festivals, and television programming. More information at Hawaii, a voice for sovereignty.com. Aloha, this is Kamaka Braun of the Sandwich Island Network Radio. In early 2015, we began to chronicle the activities of Protect Mauna Kea by interviewing Principal Kanaka Maole, who are actively protecting the mountain and monitoring the construction efforts of TMT. We called our recorded segments Mauna Kea Now. TMT, the acronym for 30-meter telescope, planned an observatory with an extremely large telescope, and this has become the source of controversy over its planned location on Mauna Kea in the state of Hawaii. Construction of the TMT on land, which is considered sacred to native Hawaiian culture and religion, attracted international coverage after October 2014 when construction was temporarily halted voluntarily due to protests. While construction of the telescope was set to resume on April 2nd of 2015 and later on June 24th of 2015, it was blocked by further protests each time, and it was approved by the Board of Land and Natural Resources. On December 2nd, 2015, the Supreme Court of Hawaii invalidated the TMT's building permits, ruling that due process was not followed when the Board of Land and Natural Resources approved the permit before the contested case hearing. The TMT company chairman stated, quote, TMT will follow the processes set forth by the state, unquote. On December 16, 2015, the TMT Corporation began removal of all construction equipment and vehicles from Mauna Kea.
Sandwich Islands Network Radio now presents a series of interviews and conversations recorded during 2015 featuring individuals actively protecting Mauna Kea and monitoring the efforts of TMT. Aloha, welcome back to the Sin Crew Radio Show on V93FM.com. This is the Sandwich Island Network Radio. I'm here with Dan Legronio from TheExaminer.com, Uncle Clinton Lee, our resident foodie. We also have Pua Lilia Hernandez, which she is our, our um, Hawaiian diva translated into... Uh, Pure fabulousness. Thank you. I was going to say Tera, but, but Ma- you know. Mahalo. Yes. It, yes. Never Thank mind you so much. pointing out the obvious. We all know I'm a Tera. <laughs> Catherine Bach Knight is here spending uh, time with us in the studio. She is a filmmaker uh, of uh, a number of projects, and she's got a number of projects in the, in the can. Uh, one in which we have a particular affinity to is Hawaii, A Voice for Sovereignty, which um, we, uh, we encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to view it, um, Please do. Catherine, welcome. Thank you. It is so great to be here with you today. And uh, I would like to thank Michael Lee for being here as well. Um, Aloha, Michael. Aloha, Catherine. Nice to be with you. Okay. Uh, Michael is a Papakilo Hoku. He is a teacher. He works with the city council, and he's recognized in federal courts as a cultural expert. Um, Michael, can you explain to us, please, what exactly uh, uh, Papa Kilo Hoku uh, is and what you do? Uh, Yes, thank you, Catherine. Of the nine different kinds of kahuna, Papa Kilo Hoku is the highest because we would be the general practitioner of the group. Uh, Papa means foundation. Kilo is to look all around you, and Hoku is the stars. And in the Hawaiian cosmology, the sky is the aka shadow or blueprint of the gods, the creators. And what appears in the sky also will appear on the earth. There's a duality that takes place. And as a Papakilo Hoku, I have to know all the practices of Ku, Lono, Kanaloa, and all the other different gods and goddesses that there were as well as the healing arts, as well as the sorcery arts of ana-ana, to undo any of the uh, curses or anything that's put on. I know 3,000 Hawaiian stars and their stories, 261 Hawaiian star constellations, and the kumulipo, all 1,102 1, lines, and the six kaunas, or different meanings, per line, which is over 6,000 meanings for the Kumulipo, the Hawaiian origin chant. Okay, and can you tell us uh, from all of your knowledge and ancient knowledge how this information relates and what you found out about your opinion uh, of the uh, 30-meter telescope being built on Mauna Kea? Yes, um, the 30-millimeter telescope beam on Mauna Kea is bringing us Kanaka Ole to the threshold of taking control over our sacred sites because the land was never transferred to the United States by treaty of annexation, nor could they claim land of an independent country. So Kanakas are waking up and standing up to say Aole, 
You cannot come and dictate to us our culture, our practices, how we think and we're passed on with generational knowledge just because you say so. And the uh, importance of the sacredness and the sacred space of Mauna Kea goes to Kaola Ikawai a Kaopua, which is there is life in the water from the clouds. Mauna Kea is a giant weather maker that keeps the sustainability and reliability of food on the land and the ocean for production to keep and take care of the gods protect their children. And so when an outside group, and this is all about money in the Western venue, the Western lens, does not want to spend $4 billion for a telescope in outer space, but $1 billion, and they're going to dictate to a kingdom that is still a kingdom, and the lands that still are our lands, even by the fake state saying, Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution, we have the right to make laws here because it comes from the people. What people? The Hawaiian Kanaka Maoli with their allodial titles. No one took the land away from us. We still own the land. We're just asserting our rights as landowners. Okay. Um, so you, do you feel like uh, the telescope will in, intrude um, intrude on the culture? In the the whole aspect of the telescopes are where they're not supposed to be. We would not have telescopes on Mount Fuji. There is no question it is sacred there. Nobody goes in and says, you know, the sacred spaces for the Japanese uh, are not sacred just because they say so. We, a Western culture, will define sacredness for all people because their interests deal with money. And what is sacred to our culture, to the Japanese culture of kami, the, their spirit, ka, the mana, and uh, their sacred wind spirits and natural spirits, no one goes in to define it and say legitimate, non-legitimate, as a culture, as a philosophy, as a cosmology. But when it comes to Hawaii, the Hawaiians are the only race in Hawaii that have to prove they are Hawaiian. The Hawaiians are the only uh, religious culture that have to prove and give up their secrets to justify they are who they claim to be, which is ass backwards. It's all upside down, especially when the United States does not own the land. And the people still have their indigenous rights and cultures that are generational through our chants, which is generational knowledge. People who read books, Kamakao, Malo, Papa E.E., Emery, Emerson, will then take that and try to use it against the Hawaiian culture just because they say so doesn't make it so. Because who did you get taught of the blood? And so what I find is Mecca is trying to tell the Pope how to do high mass in the Vatican. And in any culture it would be absurd, but it's okay in this venue. Aole Pono. Okay. No. It isn't, and this is the opportunity. Hawaiians have shown up. We're at the threshold of saying, no, we're telling you, step back. We don't have to justify anything, neither do the Japanese in Mount Fuji. It's just the Western culture thinks it can if it pushes, and oh. that's what this is all about. Okay. Um, 
So, Michael, you are so involved in indigenous plants and the environment there in Hawaii. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the medicinal and indigenous plants that are on Mauna Kea? And yes, there is a flower and a plant that grew up there, grows nowhere else in the world. And for protection 10 years ago, we put in a copyright, a TX copyright. And the plant was used when you have sudden death syndrome to bring the child back to life. It was a mixture, a herbal mixture from the plant of the root and the leaf of this plant that is endemic, that grows up there. The University of Hawaii that claims stewardship over a lease with the State Department of Land and Natural Resources has done nothing to protect this plant or does nothing to uh, do a Noah's Ark to put it in deep freeze minus 200 degrees um, some of the vegetation of this plant, just in case there was an unusual drought or something where through vegetation reproduction they could bring the plant back and reintroduce it in the wild. Same thing with Lake Waiau. There are 14 different algae that we call limu that are used in mixtures seasonally that is used as an antibiotic. Again, I put the scientific name and the Hawaiian name for these algaes that I was taught by my grandfather and my auntie and how to promulgate them. Um, and I put it into a copyright to give a baseline because everybody who's not part of the Hawaiian blood and wants to criticize Hawaiian culture, they will come and say, oh, Hawaiians just made it up yesterday. They don't know anything. They're all Christians, which is a blanket statement that has no finding of facts. So we did these things five years ago. We did it 10 years ago. We did it 20 years ago for limo and corals, because we have many coral medicines um, that fight bacteria um, and viruses to have a Western register so that people cannot make these absurd claims like... Um, uh, ex-Governor Abercrombie, who said, oh, Hawaiians made it up 10 minutes ago. Okay. And um, because the environment all, you know, uh, obviously connects with many things that are alive in that area of Mauna Kea, um, the water uh, itself, the water system, can, can you help us understand the importance yeah. of the water Mauna system? Mauna Kea is a giant... It's a giant uh, collection. When it was created from below the lithosphere, the skin's surface crust, and shot up over 30,000 feet from the sea level all the way to where it is today, actively pushing through lava tubes, magma that becomes lava and builds up the island. Then when it cools down, there are collective systems like cones collecting water and that water becomes the lifeblood of the land because the seasonal rains, which are needed to heal the land, are promulgated through these underground anas or caves. It's in Kumulipo, Chant 1. The broad stream is the woman on the surface water flowing down a stream. The narrow stream is the male, which is the pohoihoi ana lava tubes, that go sometimes break through on the land and then break through in the ocean. And what this does is it brings life. In water, there is life, and it brings life back to the land, where it says, um, Ua ka ola, o ka nohu, o ka aina kula. 
the rain pours life and becomes, the plains become alive. So the water system is part of our religious cultural system, this um, aqueduct, surface and subsurface, in our makahiki ceremonies. We have specific ceremonies um, dealing with water and resetting the fisheries and resetting uh, the plants uh, and the lo'i terraces uh, through makahiki because water is life. And the water, Kumalipo chant one, from the mountain <clears throat> protects 13 limus in the ocean of what is brought down through the underground streams and the surface streams to allow the limu to grow and the fishery to be abundant in life, to increase the opportunity of abundance on the land and the, and the sea, to bring food security and reliability that these systems are constantly there. Now, they've been eroded since the natural forests have been taken down, the endemic forests, and for cattle and for uh, production in Western venues of usage of the land. You have a decrease and a fallout of rain because Mauna Kea is a giant rainmaker if it is covered with the endemic plants that when the sea, uh, through the pounding of the waves, send the mists up to the mountain, and then as the cool air condenses, it will rain down as a mist, if not um, your dew drops. And then about 1 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the water cycle will continue and give a second rain on the mountain. The percolation through the, the, the ground uh, allows the water to flow to the sea, and the, the second rain, again, brings back life to the land. So the, the degeneration of the uh, forest, the natural endemic forests, are one of the reasons why these sustained droughts have taken place, because we have the Naulu rains that are produced by these endemic forests. And the Naulu rains are what kept the fertility of the islands and the activity of life on the islands because Western man was not familiar and did not take the time to learn because they didn't care, we are suffering the outfall of the ignorance, and uh, they didn't bother to ask the practitioners. Michael, it's really, really beautiful to listen to some very intelligent, um, articulate uh, person discuss the issues affecting the island and um, I hear the love for the islands and for the world, and of course it's important for us to continue to educate ourselves on the ongoing struggles. We're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come right back and uh, vala'au a little bit more with you. You're listening to the Sandwich Island Network Radio, v93fm.com. We're interviewing um, uh, Mr. Um, Michael, Michael Lee, Lee and uh, from, uh, from uh, the Aina. We'll be right back. This is Melissa Noholo-Papa, and you're listening to the Sin Crew Radio Show on the Sandwich Island Network, V93FM.com. Mahalo. 
Welcome back. This is V93FM.com, the Sarmage Islands Network Radio. My name is Kamaka Braun. I am here with Catherine Bachnight. And on the phone, we do have uh, Michael Lee. Catherine? Aloha, Michael. Aloha. Um, I just want to ask you uh, a little bit, because I know that your history is so important uh, in the Hawaiian culture, can you tell us a little bit about your bloodline? Oh, on my dad's side, um, our bloodline, which I didn't know and he didn't know and my grandfather didn't know, uh, I am Kamehameha III's fourth great-grandson to the Meek family, um, which Eliza Meek was the great-granddaughter of Kamehameha I. She was the daughter of Princess Julia Alapai. She was known as Ali'i Haoli. And she and Kamehameha III... Uh, had a son in 1833 when he took over after the death of Ka'ahumanu uh, in June 6th of 1832. And she gave birth to a little boy, John Meek Kalawaya, who was Hanaid to the next-door neighbors who always lived with the Meek family in their home on King Street, uh, according to the court documents. And... Um, it was not, I did not have this breath of gravity, uh, gravitas, to do all of this work. I was just amassing over years uh, Hawaiian generational knowledge um, just because I was interested in it. But it didn't become actualized in getting out there and doing massive lawsuits against billion-dollar corporations and marinas until I found my mokuau hao, and I was told in... In, in one of these cases that I did, that I had to do this. And if I didn't listen, we wouldn't be talking on the phone now because I had no excuse. Before, it was not my responsibility. It's somebody else's. It's some, some other person's responsibility. But then when I found my genealogy, I said, I am not going to die and go in front of my fourth great-grandfather, Kamehameha III, and he's going to ask me, what did you do? for our, our aloha pai aina, and just stand there, hamana, hamana, hamana. So I got into these multi-billion dollar lawsuits and against the rail in, in Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in Mr. Slater's case on the Shark God Caves um, with my own lawyer against um, Haseko Eva Inc. going to the state Supreme Court and shutting down the billion dollar marina and turning it into a fish pond and protecting the limu at Kolo'i Gulch and Papipi Road, and we won in First Circuit Court, and going after Kona Blue on the Big Island for the Kohala Fisheries in Federal Court, and then Wailea 670, the development in Wailea to set aside a preserve 186 acres for the dryland forest, and we're fighting against the Mega Mall in Kihei, and um, we wouldn't have gotten... Uh, so involved, and then our Kahoma case in, in Lahaina, which we won, and then they said if the Land Use Commission doesn't overturn their verdict in favor of Mr. Lee, if you stay in favor of Mr. Lee, Ho'opili, the $4 billion development in EVA, will flip, and it will not become a 12,000 housing unit area, and they changed their vote, and it, it's going to the state Supreme Court. None of that would have happened but for learning what my bloodline genealogy was, said, hey, boy, you got Kuliana here. 
you better get your butt out and start moving. And that was in 2009. I've been in like eight lawsuits since then and have had to become my own lawyer without going to law school. But the driving force was my genealogy and my mokuau hao. There was no way I was going to let them down. You are amazing and yeah. uh, extremely um, brilliant. So you have been asked by uh, a section of uh, TMT from France. Is that right? Um, there's one of the um, uh, key uh, teachers or um, administrators for the TMT who's in France. He will be on the Big Island on the 8th, and I've been asked by UH. They're going to pay my way to do a presentation to the UH scientist and this particular individual on the 8th of June. And, and what is it that you are going well, to... Well, basically I'm going to show them. Yeah, I talked about the 3,000 Hawaiian star constantly. I'm going to show them because the um, Iniloa, which was set aside for Hawaiian star constellations, they don't have 3,000. They're lucky if they have 24. They don't have a working knowledge of the Kumulipo. I know the exact second in time of every verse of the 100, uh, 1,201 lines of the Kumulipo. I know the exact second minute and hour of every single verse, uh, every wa of that uh, 16th chant or wa, uh, which is only a fragmentary chant. There are 24 other chants missing because I know the time period. Um, so I'm going to show them which a peak in the treasure box that was never given to anybody. I mean, one of my teacher's teachers, David Colley, was the person from Ni'ihau who had the knowledge of the Hawaiian stars that was taught to my teacher, Auntie Alice Holoka'i, who was taught by Queen Lilio Kalani when she was 10 years old in 1910. So... You know, the pedigree of my teachers are from the queen to my teachers to me. So, and I did this in the 80s. So very few people have that direct connection to Lilio Kalani. And I have my teacher on tape talking what Lilio Kalani said to her in Hawaiian, in Ariki, in Aliki, which is Ali'i, which is a language not spoken today. It's not common Hawaiian. It sounds more Tahitian, and most people have never heard Aliki or Ali'i. So I have a tape of that. It's over 30 years old. Um, and uh, her talking about Prince Kuhio. So we have that direct connection to our past, and it really makes a difference between your Mokuauhau and having teachers like Auntie Alice could lay hands on people and people with black toes from diabetes, it's called the charcoal effect, in less than 20 seconds become normal. So I had teachers that were beyond the beyond. I was taught by Uncle Walter Kamana, the shark man, who could chant up Kamahoali, the megalodon, the red shark, the size of a 737. So the, one of the last living shark men, um, Auntie Alice Holokai was from the Mahi clan in Kohala on the Big Island, and she knew Oloheluaha and taught me the life touch and the death touch of the uh, Oloheluaha. So I was 
I was a beneficiary of things that were beyond my comprehension at the time. Okay. Um, and so when you do this presentation with uh, the members of TMT, uh, what is going to be your take on Mauna Kea? Do you believe that it should or should not be built there at the telescope? Yeah, it should not be built. All of those things, my take is <clears throat> the policy that should be set is decommissioning all the telescopes as they run out of their technology and removal. And my compromise to them would be decommission one of the telescopes uh, right now and use the footprint of that. Uh, but with the goal, no more telescopes to be built, and decommissioning and removal would be the policy. Okay. Um, Michael, you have some special interest in Mauna Kea uh, for the future, and uh, is it correct that you, your family has land there? Uh, well, we have land in Hamakua, which is the Ahupua'a, and that land is called Ka'apahu. We registered it in 1848, over 360 acres, but my great-great-great-grandfather passed away in the process of the Great Mahele. So you had to, it was mandatory to pay for a survey, a, a certified surveyor. So what happened was the, the kingdom took a half of the Ahupua'a and left us with 360 acres. And the other half that they took for the government, they used as payment for the surveyors. So the finalization of our allodial titles was under the reign of William Charles Nunalillo. And so, yes, we do have, we would like to build um, a ranch there um, for um, raising cattle and a dairy. Um, and it is on the slopes on Haumakua, which is right below the TMT telescope. But we, as a family, have standing because our allodial rights, which are never extinguished, are passed on from generation to generation, besides being one of the last Papakilahoku recognized by the city council in three certificates um, honoring me. So, yes, we do. And then we have a, 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 the Kumulipo Foundation that we would like to create and house the Kumulipo in a visual form uh, with amphitheaters actually showing line by line and what the meaning of the Kumulipo is for all 16 was. Okay, that is that is amazing. I just wanted to uh, bring up one thing, and we've got to sign off here pretty quick. Uh, you told me about an article that you wanted to just speak to quickly, which was uh, pro protectors use claim of sacredness for political agenda. Right, and that was done by Kenneth R. Conklin and um, in the uh, Star Advertiser. And basically, he uses Hawaiian chants of the, the beginning myths of uh, Wakea and Papa and tries to debunk the Hawaiians' uh, na'au feeling that this is the wrong place to put all of this and that he tries to use Hawaiian mythology and cosmology against Hawaiians. And he tries to promulgate the idea that the usage of the Ads Quarry caves were used by commoners for money 
for economic profit-making, as he writes. Well, the Ads Quarry uh, people were part of the cult of Ku, the war god, and they were a religious group, and they didn't make money. Under the Konehiki-Makahiki system, kings had a right to tax the ahupua'as and portions, and you were supposed to bring gifts to the king as your tax for the year. He doesn't mention that. There was no profit-making here. There was no profit margin. All your, your components of specialists gave a portion. If this is a barter economy. You get fish for, for your goods, for an ads. There's no, there's no profit as money is known. Um, and so he completely turns everything upside down. And then he says, you know, basically the Hawaiians are making up the sacred place stuff uh, collectively. Um, and the, he makes the statement that Hawaii belongs to the people collectively because it belongs to the government and these are public lands. No, this is Hawaiian kingdom government. And we are, we are taking our control because our sovereignty never left. It's these people who have claimed to have sovereignty but have no bill of sale or bill of goods to show and prove they own the land. We never gave it over. Two Kuwait petitions, 1893 and 1897. No, we don't want association. And the, what I'm recommending is we have a third modern Kuwait petition saying no association with from the kingdom nationals and those of the blood of the kingdom. Aole, we don't want you. We want to put that out for the UN, the World Court, where we stand. They have no valid claim on the lands, and they can't tell us what to do. Okay. Thank you so much, yeah. Michael. Thank you for your time. And uh, we'll be keeping up with what you're doing and your studies and your research. Mahalo, Catherine. Mahalo. the Sin Crew Radio Show on V93FM.com. Kamaka Brown, your host, on uh, such a great day. It's beautiful outside. Of course, it's always sun shining on the Sandwich Island Network Radio. And uh, we're here with um, film um, maker Catherine Bachnight. And uh, welcome, Catherine. Glad to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so we have Michelani uh, Young on the line here, and uh, how are you? Aloha, Catherine. I'm doing great. Aloha. Um, so can you tell us about the efforts that you are doing to connect the people on Mauna Kea and uh, here on the island of uh United States. Moku'o, California. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, what's happening right now, it's been such a beautiful thing. I've been connecting with people from up north, from um, San Francisco area to all the way down to San Diego. And we're bringing together so many wonderful people of different um, backgrounds and different, you know, just a different indigenous people and different, um, yeah, just different backgrounds. And some of the people we're bringing in, um, are like the Aztec groups, and I'm I'm working with 
bringing in some of the Chumash people in and Filipino groups in and Japanese groups in and just bringing awareness together um, about, you know, just our planet and just taking care of our planet and um, taking care of Mama Kia is just an example of just taking care of Mother Earth. Okay. Um, can you tell us about your halal because um, you are an amazing kumu hula? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Can you tell us a little bit about your halal and uh, your 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 life as a kumuhula? <laughs> sure. Uh, well, my halal is called Halal Hula Kavahine Ali'i no Ho'ike Elua. I am an extension of a halal back home on Hawaii or Oahu. Um, I come from two hula lines, Garalika Nui and Kumuhula Puluelo Naipo Park from Kailua, Oahu. Um, Hula here, I've been here teaching Hula here for now. Um, this year will make 15 years. I moved here in 1998. Um, and it's always been my life journey. When I moved here, I, I knew when I left home, uh, and I'm sure all the rest of us who are listening right now um, can, can connect to this, that you're always trying to find something to reconnect us back home, back to the Aina. So whether if it's starting a radio station, dancing Hula, singing, um, just lay making anything that will connect us to back home makes, makes us feel like we're back home even though we live on this moku. Um, and so with the halal, I also use it as an opportunity, which I've always shared with my homana, is reconnecting at a spiritual level. I tell them that it's about being spiritual, mental, and then physical. They said the spiritual part is the one is the hardest part. The the physical part, I know some hula dancers are going to be like, really? It's the easiest part, dancing? But for us as kumuhulas, we try to get our students to our homana to connect on a spiritual level to bring out what the stories are talking about. And many of our dances do talk about our oceans, our, our plants, um, the sky, the earth. And so how do we connect to that and, and give back, really? Really, as a dancers, we, we should be giving back to the earth and to the skies and to nature when we dance. Okay. Um, so... Does this connect with your culture, what you're doing now um, to, to help uh, bring awareness to Mauna Kea? And, and can you tell us what it means to you personally? Um, uh, for me, yes, what I do right now does connect to Mauna Kea, if I'm answering this correctly, if I heard you correctly, Catherine. Um, but um, for us as Hawaiians, Mauna Kea is, She's, she's Mother Earth for us. Um, and if you know the story of just being brief, uh, the story is, you know, Papahanaomoku and Wakea came together and created the island. Um, and I love, uh, I think there, it was from Dr. Sai who said this. It was, or I could be wrong, maybe um, the University of Hawaii Chief um, Ching. He said that, you know, to some people, sacred is, you know, something spiritual. And to him, sacred is my, you know, could be your husband, your wife, your children, your mother, your animals. And if there was a burning building, would you go and save what's sacred to you? And for us, you know, going to rescue our, our mother or rescuing our earth is important to those of us who want to protect our planet. But in Hula, we, you know, they say, you know, the closer we dance to the ground, this is why we're supposed to get noho. Those late people who are listening right now, you know we're supposed to noho. We're supposed to get sound as close to the earth because it's really 
us giving back to the earth and having a conversation with um, our Mother Earth. And for us, here it is, the Moku of California. So we give back to this earth while we're here, but energetically, vibrations we can send back home to Mama Kea or Mama Awakea. Um, I know that you are connecting with a lot of people, and I think that one of the extraordinary things that you're doing is connecting with uh, other uh, other uh, kumus. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, this has been such a life journey for me. Everything is a life journey for me, but connecting with other kumuhulas has always been my life journey. Growing up in hula since I was one, my mother and my grandmother danced, my aunties and uncles danced, but for me connect the kumuhulas and for us to know that we're all here on that same path, you know, honoring our ancestors through our dances and that, you know, it's the beautiful thing is meeting people um, from other halals that have been coming out and, you know, we just respecting and sharing and, and knowing that the more we give and share with each other, the more we're giving back to the earth. But yes, um, sharing with other kumuhulas, like I have a kumuhula I, I just spoke to last, last week up north and um, talking to other, actually mostly members of different halals and, um, but one of the kumhulas that I've been really talking to and actually I had the pleasure of going to his halal and sharing a hula with um, this past Thursday with Kumu um, Kekaimoku from Kekai Ulu Hula Studio. Um, but it's the most beautiful thing to see people, like-minded people who love hula, who love nature and just giving, sending those vibrations through our dances and our chants. And the more of us doing it, the more we can heal our earth together. Um, so the people on, on the mountain, uh, they are referring to themselves as protectors of Mauna Kea. And how do you see yourself uh, doing that? Um, the way I see it is that no matter, I mean, we're all, we're all indigenous people and we all have a part to play in this and we can either stand on the sideline or we can be part of the solution. And um, like I said, I, I'll go back to Palau, you know, for me, my students, I teach them. Chanting is a, for me is, a, is prayer. And so the more we can chant to our ancestors, we can bring healing through our chant. So the more people who know, um, chants and olis um, and uh, hulas, um, we can play an intricate part in it. Also, you know, I'm sure everybody knows um, there's things happening here on this side, actually, um, in California, that has to do with this whole project going on. And what we want to do is just bring understanding and education and awareness. Uh, um, it's not only happening in Hawaii. It's happening in five countries. So we just need to keep bonding together and pray together and hula together and oli together to bring balance. I love talking to my, my alaka'i and saying, you know, it's about bringing balance back to our world. And, and you've been doing a lot of uh, rallies here uh, in Southern California in Pasadena, correct? Yes. And what's the reason that you chose Pasadena? Uh, Pasadena, we chose Pasadena. This is where... Um, the home base of TMT is um, right in Pasadena, and part of the schools that are a part of making these things that are going to go back home to um, Hawaii is at Caltech. Involved is also UC 
Santa Cruz and UC um, Santa Barbara. So if we can somehow, you know, share our side of what we believe in and hopefully they can see and understand. And like I said, just bringing balance. But this is why we're doing it in Pasadena. The head of PMT headquarters is here. And Caltech was highly involved in making many of the parts and pieces that are going back to Hawaii for the telescope. And how do you feel about the 30-meter telescope being placed on Mauna Kea? Uh, uh, I, I, well, I'm sure I, I'm repeating things that other people have said also. Um, you know, would you put it at the Vatican? Would you put it on Mount Sinai? Um, you know, anywhere that you think is your sacred place, um, to, for, for us culturally, Mauna Kea is our sacred place. Again, that is our mother. We, we just put something on our mother. Um, so, of course, I'm not against science. I'm just not okay where it's being placed. Um, there's so many other places they could put it. I, I know they can come back and tell us that it can be, you know, that's the best place because it's above the clouds. It has the best view um but really i guess as i'm watching the world i can see there's imbalance and this is just another thing that's adding to the imbalance in the world okay um can you tell us information uh if anyone wants to look up your halal how would they find that yeah sure um actually the best way to get a hold of me i I usually just use facebook so if they go to facebook.com at Kovahine 2 or backslash Kovahine 2. Okay. Um, all right, that's great. And uh, do you want to tell us about your up-and-coming event? Sure, yes. On Saturday, June 13th, we're having a big um, awareness and information gathering of all people. We're going to have Kumupua case there. Um, we have the tribe coming up coming from Shasta Mountain. We have the Aztecs coming in. We have the Chumash coming in. But it is on it's Saturday, June 13th, um, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, it is going to be at Central Park at 275 South Raymond Avenue, 91105. And that's in Pasadena? It is in Pasadena. We're also going to have another event the day after with Kumapua um, at the SIPA um, at SIPA, it's a Filipino um, nonprofit organization where she's going to be sharing a hula and an oli. And also, of course, just keep continuing the sharing and bringing awareness to the community. Okay. And uh, you're doing some, some, some uh, fun work, fundraising work uh, to help the people who are on Mauna Kea. Is that right? Yes. Um, we actually have. The Protectors of Mauna Kea, it's a, it's a, a T-shirt that, it's, a, it's hard to really describe, but I will have it up on Facebook. Um, I'll be posting it. Um, but Protectors of Mauna Kea will be making donations to help us to defer the cost. We also have um, Aloha Koa Designs. They are also making those beautiful Koa earrings that um, you've seen, probably Havani Reels. I've worn them, and a few other people have been wearing them. So from Aloha Koa Designs, um, a big portion of their donations will come to us to help, again, to, to pay for these events to bring awareness and education to the community. 
Um, we'll also be starting a GoFundMe within the next couple of days that anyone wants to help out. Every bit helps um, to help. Again, this is just a group of us that's just putting this on together, and this is everybody's doing it from the their pool by from their heart. Um, so whatever cost there is, the permits and everything, this is what it's going to help out with. Okay, great. Your passion is inspiring, and um, thank you for all that you do. And um, we will uh, say goodbye, and good luck to all of your ventures. Oh, thank you so much, Catherine. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay, aloha. Aloha. Kamaka Brown on Sarmage Island Network Radio with the Sin crew here as well as our guest in the studio filmmaker Catherine Bachnight. We call her Tenacious C because uh, she um, has uh, been so supportive not only of Sarmage Island Network Radio but also we have had um, multiple conversations about the Protect Mauna Kea uh, initiative and we've had conversations with many of the principals on both sides of the issues if you will um, representing various different schools of thoughts and different beliefs and you know doing that in a um, logical um, uh, uh, without without losing um, uh, respect for each other in this discussion is huge um, and so we were talking about how um, we have interacted with some folks who, with good hearts and are well-intentioned, um, are very, very, very vocal, sometimes um, uh, profane in their uh, expressions about what's going on without really knowing what the issues really, really are. And so here on Simon Java Network, we feel it's really important that if we're going to make informed decisions, we need to really have a greater understanding uh, of um, what is going on and um, that this TMT issue is not just a Hawaiian issue, but it is a world issue. And by promoting education followed by action um, and starting something meaningful, uh, it'll have an impact uh, on our world. And so we have a lot of tools um, uh, accessible to us in this day and age to expose the truths, to promote change. Um, this is very inspiring, and we here at Simon Jowell Network Radio will continue to support, um, learn, and educate um, our listeners as well. And so, Paul, we were talking about various different um, ways in which, um, you know, Simon Jowell Network Radio can continue to um, educate our listeners and um, to, to, if folks would like to support the various different um, uh, initiatives out there, there are ways in which they can do that as well online and um, with their own um, uh, uh, governmental organizations. We'll post all of that on our Facebook page. Absolutely. Okay. And, There's um, plenty of ways we can do that. And yeah. do, but keep in mind, the Internet is a breeding ground of a lot of misinformation. True. So take everything with a grain of salt. Remember where your information's coming from. A lot of it is skewed. A lot of it um, is satirized. So just inform yourself. Get as much information as you can. And then de decipher uh, how much of that is just 
bonk. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's no doubt, you know, the construction of that 30-meter telescope, which, by the way, is what that acronym stands for, TMT, um, it's, it's a huge structure on Hawaii's Mauna Kea. It uh, sparks some very strong feelings among Native Hawaiians who believe the mountain to be sacred. Um, and this protest, uh, protesting this uh, project has been going on since March 30th. And for many folks who have not left the mountain are there uh, to make a statement that they are protecting um, the mountain. But that statement is even larger from a global perspective, right, Catherine, when we look at that? Yeah, that's right. And, and we feel it every day. It's getting, people are becoming more and more connected. Exactly. And so uh, for our listeners on Simon Jala Network Radio, we encourage you um, to uh, listen to our programming. We will make continued announcements on our Facebook page um, to let you know when our programming about um, uh, the Protect Mount Care um, uh, um, initiative and this particular project, um, information about TMT. We do know there are certain things that are coming up. It looks like um, there are going to be uh, more news coming our way with uh, some uh, big decisions that have been made by um, the Canadian um, offices of TMT um, that will affect what's going on on the mountain. And so we want you to stay tuned for that um, as we move forward as well. All right, Uncle Clinton. Yes. He has been very, very quiet. Um, he, he There's has a been lot of good information on that. Huge. And uh, Uncle Dan also um, on examiner.com. I'll be using um, that as a, a vehicle of information and education as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. Certainly will. All right. So we'll, um, we'll get back to our programming and we'll be having more information coming your way. Um, we appreciate our listeners uh, tuning in. And we'll be talking very soon. And we say uh, aloha. And we take you back now to our programming here on V93FM.com, the Simon Islands now. Mauna Kea Now is sponsored by Hawaii, A Voice for Sovereignty, a documentary film by photojournalist Catherine Bachnight that explores the culture of the native Hawaiians and their connection to the land. At the forefront of the film are social, economical, and ecological issues that have developed in Hawaii since the takeover by the U.S. in 1893, revealed in interviews with grassroots indigenous people and scholars such as author Haunani K. Trask. The documentary's goal is to raise awareness of the issues faced by the native Hawaiians, which threatens their ancient and environmentally sustainable culture. Bach Knight brings this film to the world stage by theatrical release, screenings at international film festivals, and television programming. More information at Hawaii, a voice for sovereignty.com. Mahalo for joining us on our Sandwich Islands Network Radio Podcast. See you soon. Aloha.